Welcome to the Cold Brew Podcast. It is March 4th, and it's lockout day 93. We thought for sure that by the time we recorded this week's episode of the Cold Brew Podcast, we'd have a deal, and baseball would be getting going again. We'd have spring training uh, getting going. We'd have free agency trades, all this fun stuff, but not to be. Once again, I'm Dave Gasper, joined as always by Matt Carroll. We are the editors at ReviewingGrew.com. And uh, Matt, it's been a rough week, and I think I told you or, or I said in a, some group chat earlier that if they don't reach a deal on time to start the season, I will cut off one of my toes. <laughs> and I am a man of my word. I have followed through, and I have now uh, I am now missing a toe on my left foot. <laughs> that uh, certainly appears to be some version of actual truth. <laughs> yeah. Um, yes. Uh, for those that don't know, I can actually see David is uh, laid up after having some minor surgery. Yeah. So in that sense, he is not lying, folks. I am not uh, lying. I, no. I am missing a tour over there. OK, so, yeah. So I, I suppose I should update everyone on this. So earlier this week, basically yesterday, um, so the day that we normally re- record the podcast, which is why this one is uh, getting out a bit late, because yesterday I uh, I got into the hospital at uh, 5 a.m. for my scheduled surgery. This was pre-scheduled. This wasn't actually uh, an emotional decision because Rob Manford canceled baseball. <laughs> you know, I love baseball, but I'm not going to, you know, this not isn't that kind person. of decision. Yeah, I'm, I'm not that insane. Um, but like now, this has uh, been in the works uh, for a while. My uh toe my one foot's just is super long is a you know issue that i've been dealing with uh well pretty much my entire life um so got that taken care of as it always was you know possible with like shoes and everything else made things uncomfortable so finally made the decision uh while i'm still on my parents insurance uh to <laughs> to get that taken care of yeah very key um you know while i'm on some good insurance um so yeah so i got that taken care of uh yesterday so i'm in uh I got my foot all wrapped up. I uh, got some crutches here and uh, just kind of resting up for a little bit, you know, but I should be getting going in a, in a couple of weeks. So, but for right now, just resting, recovering. And, uh, you know, I wish I had some baseball to watch to uh, help ease the pain, uh, but instead I'll have to settle for uh, painkillers. Uh, yeah. Which means no cold brews either for no, uh, David no, as of this I've recording. No, i some so. nice cold water. Yeah. I will be doing double cold brews uh, in your stead. All right. All right. There we go. Well, cold seltzer, at least at this point. Right? Oh, truly. That's all I had left. Yeah. Ah, Just fair for enough. now. Yeah. yeah. So, but instead of Major League Baseball, I've got, uh, currently I've got Northeastern and NC State uh, on TV right now. So <laughs> That is a fantastic choice because Tommy White, if anyone hasn't been uh, following college yeah. baseball at all, Holy cow, that yeah. dude. Nine homers in missiles. like eight games. Yep, as yeah. a freshman. He's 0 for 2 so far today. The oh. pair of ground outs. Oh, that's my guy. Don't worry. I'm sure he'll get a home run later. Um, yeah, no doubt. Probably. Apparently, Northeastern's winning 4 to nothing in the fifth. Oh. All right. But anyways, uh, the point of this podcast is not to be talking about NC State. Um, no. But uh, we're going to be talking about everyone's least favorite commissioner <laughs> rob manfred 
and uh, the lockout that is ever continuing. We thought we'd have a deal done. There seemed to be a lot of progress. There were reports of progress. And uh, you know, after nine days in a row of marathoning and Jup- uh, of a marathon bargaining session in Jupiter, Florida, um, they had a really long session end of the night on the 28th, and they were not able to come to a deal. And then they decided to extend the deadline to next afternoon to continue bargaining in hopes to save opening day. And uh, then MLB came comes out and was like, the players have changed their tone. Oh, I don't think we're going to get a deal. And uh, we're going to put our last best offer out on the table. And their last best offer sucked. They really didn't mm-hmm. move much uh, at all. And um, the players rightfully rejected it. And the first week of the season has been canceled and uh, sadness consumed my soul, Matt. (laughs) Yeah, I my God, that last week leading up to to that Tuesday, to be honest, the extended day, arbitrary deadline, let's be honest about it, Mm -hmm. was a roller coaster of emotion if there ever was one, because it was. Doesn't look like a deal is getting done and then really doesn't look like a deal is getting done. And then, oh, maybe there's a little bit of progress. And then, oh, hey, they're actually like the reports are they're getting close. And then, like you said, all of a sudden the next day, just no, actually, we're terribly far apart. And I I woke up on Tuesday morning with actually a little bit of hope. Like I knew they were still a ways away. Uh, there was still quite a bit of gap to close, especially in the competitive balance tax, which is that hot button issue of all of it. But I had, maybe it's just my optimistic self, but I had a little bit of hope that something was going to happen. We were going to have a deal. Like you said, we were going to start being able to talk free agency, trade, spring training, all that good stuff that we've been just waiting for. And now once again, they pull the rug out from under us. Rob Manfred would rather practice his golf swing and Mm. smile during press conferences about the first week of the season being canceled than actually try and submit an offer that is fair for the players and that gets closer to an agreement. And it just sucks. It just that right when, I, I mean, the tone Tuesday morning was already like what an hour after they started was already mm-hmm. starting to lead a little bit to depression. Like there was still a chance. They still yeah. had several but, hours like, both, to go. Both sides were like on their own corners for like two and a half hours. Yep. Yeah. And then with MLB, like you said, saying that the tone with the players has changed and um, it, them sounding rightfully pissed at that assessment saying we don't sound anything different than we did last night. Um, It just, it already started to look a bit more pessimistic. And then the closer it got and the details of the proposals, not really leading anyone any closer, just, you knew what was going to happen all the way up really until four o'clock when Manfred stepped in front of that microphone and announced that the first two series of the game uh, season would be canceled. And And he stepped up there and he smiled and laughed about this whole thing. It's like, dude, you are canceling games. Something that you just said three weeks ago would be the most disastrous outcome for this industry. And you show up at the press conference giggling and smiling and laughing as you announce that the disastrous outcome has occurred. Has some cringy interactions with reporters 
just like like what are you happy about right now? Like, like what is there to be happy about? What is there to be smiling and laughing about? You know, I don't care what kind of joke like happens, like if you hear one, but like now is not the time to to be to be doing this. And and it just makes you look that much more out of touch. And and like I listened to, you know, some of what he was saying. And he's talking about how, you know, fans are his first priority and like we're listening to our fans and that's why we're pushing for an expanded postseason. I'm like, what? What fans are pushing for the expanded postseason? Like that's not that's not our primary concerns here. First of all, if you were listening to us, you'd have a deal done because we want this over with. We want baseball back. That's our priority here. And if you're listening to the fans, it's like, hey, pay the players what they're worth, what they deserve. Okay, stop with this. Um, you know, restrictions on, on everything that, that you're trying to do and keeping, you know, salaries lower than what they should be and uh, like not rise, not even rising with the levels of inflation, you know, which we've seen a bunch of, especially over the past year. And like the, the, the competitive balance tax, which has been the most contentious issue, the, you know, with just inflation on that from last year to this next year, that would take the CBT up to like 229 million. Just just from inflation and the owners are only proposing 220. So in the player's eyes, the CBT is getting worse. It's getting lower with the league only offering 220. So it's it's these two sides are just speaking completely different languages. And the owners just kind of don't want to give the players a single thing They're, They're They don't even seem willing to compromise on anything. No. And like that's all the reports that have been coming out from people who are familiar with um, the owners who have, you know, kind of contacts uh, high up is that Manfred and the owners, most of the owners, some of the owners, whoever, um, their priority is to just crush the union like that is what mm-hmm. they want to do. And that that certainly does not give optimism towards the season starting anytime soon. If that's the their priority is the fans. No, it's not. It's by everything we've seen, that seems completely correct. That that is their one um objective through all of this is to completely just win this negotiation and destroy at the all union. Costs. Yeah. yeah, at all costs. And if you did care about the fans and you cared about the good of the game and you cared about the actual players, you would be trying to negotiate a fair deal and that's just not it's clearly not what's happening for reference the cbt is at is current it's at 214 215 correct like right around there um i, I believe 214 two, two, okay that's what i thought so the fact that and as you said you know to rise with um inflation the value of uh uh clubs and whatnot 230 roughly is what would be fair which is what the uh, players are proposing. They're not proposing higher than that. They're just proposing what's fair. So the fact mm-hmm. that the uh, owners or the league has only been, I mean, I mean, for the longest time, they were only willing to move from 214 to 215. That was it. That was it. Yeah. And so the fact that they, you know, went to 220 is their best offer is just, it's not, it's, it's not getting close to a compromise it's not getting close to what's fair it's staying close to what the league wants and what continues to make them money 
And what, again, like would if they won, would just be a crushing blow to the union. And the players are just not standing for that kind of stuff anymore. And props to them for trying to get a deal for them that's actually fair. And I, I feel like the fact that we're in the era of social media is really actually helping the players cause because they're mm-hmm. able to kind of rally each other um, through social media. They're able to by all rights. I mean, it, it's hard to say that the players haven't been winning the PR war with a majority of fans um, because everything mm-hmm. you see about this, the fact that they've been able to state their case publicly when in the past, maybe they weren't necessarily able to do this. A lot of this happened behind closed doors and the only updates you would get would be from reporters. Um, most of whom were on MLB's payroll. Exactly. Uh, it Things are different now. And so uh, for everything, it, it doesn't hurt that Manfred does things like laugh during a press conference and, you know, does not <laughs> call the World Series he, trophy a piece of metal. Yep, exactly. I mean, he is just horrible at trying to build up good PR for his side as it is. And then the owners aren't actually saying anything, so they're not able to add any. Uh, goodwill for themselves. Um, the players just aren't standing for these things anymore and uh, good for them, but it's not good for fans because we don't get baseball because no one is able to come to, they're, they're not negotiating. They're not compromising. We've been over this. How many weeks? They're just, no one is willing to compromise here. Yeah. And the players have kind of talked about it. I've seen a few of them, um, they mentioned it's kind of, you know, typical MLB playbook. Mm-hmm. I mean, they, they self-imposed a deadline there on the 28th, and then they just went at them with a whole bunch of stuff in a marathon bargaining session, hoping to kind of, you know, I think hoping to kind of, like, catch them off guard, throw some things at them late that maybe mm-hmm. they wouldn't notice and, and sneak them in the CBA. And it's like, oh, great, we got them to agree to a deal that was favorable to us because, you know, we got them all mixed around in these long negotiating sessions. Um, and, you know, if... If that happens, then MLB gets a solid deal. And if not, um, you know, it's like, okay, you you miss some games and it still ends up being a win for the owners um, with, with what they're willing to do. And um, they stated that they were willing to miss a month of games um, and, and miss that much of the season. So, you know, it's it's kind of leading to that kind of a situation. And when it comes to these kind of talks, like we have to look at Rob Manfred's background. Rob Manfred's background is as a labor lawyer. He cut his teeth on the on the labor side, on the, on the negotiating side, and worked his way up as a lead labor lawyer. And he's a great and he's a great labor lawyer, whether you like it or not. He's a great labor lawyer for management. Um, but this is where things are different from between the years of labor peace under Bud Selig and Rob Manfred's role as. Um, as the labor negotiator during a bunch of those seasons. And really it shows in their differences in their tenures as commissioner. Now I know a lot of people didn't like Bud Selig's tenure as commissioner, you know, complaining about whatever else, although in Milwaukee, obviously still love him. Um, but where Rob, where Rob Manfred came from, a labor lawyer cutting his teeth, succeeding and moving his way up because he succeeded and, in labor negotiations. His goal growing up, his goal throughout his career has been to beat the union. That, that, that's been his, his method that that's been what he really loves to do. Um, and, and what he grew up doing in this game, crushing the union. That, that was his goal when, when it comes to negotiations, 
get the upper hand. For Bud's, and that's showing now in his tenure as commissioner, and it's only gotten worse. For Bud Seeley, he got into the league because he loved baseball and he fought tooth and nail to get the Milwaukee Brewers, to get to get them from Seattle, to get a team in Milwaukee, to be the team owner and build up a successful franchise because he loved the game. And he grew in power and influence because of that love of the game, because he fought so hard to get a team and, and he worked his way up. And so his interests were always aligned with the best interests of the game of baseball, with, with what he saw. And he was able to build consensus and a coalition among owners um, to be like, hey, like I have a vision for the game of baseball. This is what's best for the game going forward. Let's all get on board. Let's do this. It's important that we do. And because of that, it's much easier to come on with common ground with the players who also are going to be looking out for the best interests of baseball uh, because they love and care about the game and they fought tooth and nail to get to get where they were. So that's where you could have so much labor peace and things for the most part were were going good over those years in the 2000s. And, um, you know, you go from that to now Manfred, who has a completely different background where he all he only wants to beat the union and now he's there he doesn't have a commissioner being like hey okay like we'll give in on on some of this we're going to look out for the best interests of the game manfred doesn't have anyone telling him that right now he's looking out for the best interests of the owners not the best interests of the game and there's a very big difference between the two yeah absolutely you also wonder during all this especially based off some reports um that came out today and this is actually playing a little bit off a of conversation I heard uh, Sparky on 1250, the fan here in uh, Milwaukee having uh, uh, on his show, Sparky's midday madness. Uh, you wonder if the owners are actually aligned right now. And if M- Manfred being at the head of all of this has anything to play into that. Um, there was a report that came out today that there were, um, I think it was four teams, right? Uh, mm-hmm. Angels, Tigers, Pittsburgh, I think, and one other. And Diamondbacks. No, Diamondbacks, was, that's right. Uh, yeah, Angels, Tigers. God, where was this? It's up here. Angels, Diamondbacks, Reds, and Tigers. Reds, got it. A different central team. Uh, but the report was that these... Uh, four teams were had pitched an idea and trying to get um, essentially player meal per diem um, removed as part of what qualifies towards the luxury tax. No, uh, added to the luxury added tax. Added to it. I'm sorry. You're right. Added to the luxury tax. Um, yeah. No, no. MLB itself proposed that. And those yeah. four teams were opposed to the luxury tax increase to 220 million. Right. So the fact that you have, you know, this faction of teams, that has uh, their agenda that they want to try and get in there um, makes you wonder again, if the owners are actually aligned and a good commissioner, like you said, like um, Seelig, um good, depending on how you feel about him, you know, what he, like you said, was good at was having all of the owners on the same page um, and looking out for everyone and having a consistent message when it came to these talks. And so for as much sex success as Manfred has had in the past as a negotiator, that is fine. But if you go all the way back 
1972, all of the years um, between whether there were lockouts or strikes, all of the years that actually resulted in missed games were years in which there were strikes, not lockouts. This is the first year since then in which a lockout has resulted in missed games. So how good of a negotiator really are you, Rob Manfred, like that you couldn't get something done in time to save the season? You know, hey, he's apparently the exact same person that he was in 1998. (laughs) No growth at all over the last 24 years. Yeah, that's a problem, buddy. Like, that's not something to brag about. Like, you should be able to evolve. It is not the same game as 1998. It is not the same economy. It is not the same world. Things are different. Like, you have to evolve with the times. So I don't think that's quite the humble brag that you're making it out to be there. Yeah, like it, it's really every time Rob Manfred talks, he's essentially putting Ugh. his foot in his mouth. Like it's he like always my makes things worse mouth. and not in a weird way. <laughs> oh, God. But <laughs> like <laughs> but but like I was talking about this um, on a on a on a radio show on the sports lead uh, on ESPN lacrosse the other day with uh, with John Papadopoulos, um, who friend, friend of the podcast, podcast by the way. Um, I was talking about him and he was asking me about that and, and you know, the, you know, the difference between Manfred and, and C league and, you know, C league seemed to have a bedside manner and, uh, you know, Rob Manfred really doesn't, you know, he just kind of says, um, whatever. And like, doesn't really realize the impact that's going to have. I'm like, yeah, I mean, C, like C league, ha- like, um, C league did have that manner, you know, talking with owners and then kind of knowing more of what to say. And Rob Manfred, when it comes like, you know, Rob Manfred's a labor lawyer and when it comes to bedside manner, Rob Manfred is a labor lawyer. You know, they don't really have much uh, bedside manner and that's shown over the last couple of years. And the, I think the biggest thing he's done is unified the players even more strongly in their opposition to him. The players hate him. They mm-hmm. hate his guts. Marcus Stroman tweeted out Manfred got to go. You know, the, the players hate him so much and they refuse to let him win because they hate him so much. Like they're they're going to be willing to hold out. And John asked me, too, about, um, you know, who do you think is going to is going to cave first? You know, what, like when do the players cave? When, when would the league cave? And I don't think the players are going to cave first. I, I think they're very they're they're strong. They're unified right now. They're willing to do this for the next generation of players, and they're going. They're not going to accept a substandard deal. And if the owners are willing to lose a month, it may be until we get to the loss of a month before the owners finally realize we can't keep doing this because we'll end up losing money. I mean, you got rebates for uh, regional sports networks. You know, all, all the money you got to get back on, on national stuff. Um, you know, ticket sales you're losing. You know, stuff like that. Uh, with all those losses, they're going to want to have to agree to a deal, and it's it's going to be tough. And uh, the players are going to hold out, I feel, and you know they're, they're going to. It's going to take until Manfred realizes that he's not going to be able to break them this time. Yeah, yeah, I think I read uh, that it, it's believed that it's right around 25 games ish lost that they start to have to offering uh, to pay back these regional sports networks. So if you, if you're looking for a realistic timeline of when MLB is going to start feeling the heat, that's probably it right there. Um, 
Yeah, absolutely right. Like Rob Manfred is, in fact, just um, bringing the players together. We talked about, does, is he uniting the owners? Well, he is uni- uniting one of the bases, and it's the players. Um, God, I just, I, I just want to punch that man in the face. Just, <laughs> just, just to get slightly off track there. But oh, yeah. I, I wonder. You're not the only one. I know, right? I, I wonder a little bit now as a Brewers fan, um, and this is, you know, I guess the unfortunate part about the owners having to essentially stay silent during all of this. I don't know if they have to, but they are like we have a lot of us have this, you know, thought of Mark Adonazio, um being such a good owner for the Brewers. Um, you know, he's willing to invest when he believes the team's a winner. He's a personable guy. Anytime he's like in the booth doing interviews on uh, Bally Sports. Anytime he, he really, you know, he certainly has a be- better bedside manner than Rob Manfred, right? Like mm-hmm. he, he's a Absolutely. guy that, yeah, he's a guy that you want to like. But man, I just really wish I knew what his stance was on all this. He's a businessman, and his goal, every owner's goal in owning a team is making money. Let's be honest. Would they could be mm-hmm. the biggest fan of the game possible? But the end goal is to make money. And so I just it, as as highly as I want to and, and generally do look at Mark Adonazio, I just wonder like what what how he's been, what where what his thought process is, like what mm-hmm. his uh, what are his stances, on you know, issues. right. Yeah. Yeah. I mean. So, I mean, we had the four teams that were opposed to, you know, raising the CBT to $220 million, and Mark Atanasi was not one of them. So, he's not that bad uh, mm-hmm. about it. I'm not sure his full stance on the, on the competitive balance tax, but as a small market owner, it's probably reasonable to assume that he's not a huge fan of what the players are proposing with the CBT. Right. Um, especially when you have a competitive team and it's like your odds are you're going to be going up against the Dodgers and now you're giving them an extra, you know, 20 some million in their competitive balance tax that they could use to sign Freddie Freeman and make it that much tougher to beat them in the playoffs and, and get to the World Series. So, you know, from Anasio's standpoint and, and from a small market standpoint, it kind of makes sense that they don't want the CBT to go up that much. Right. Um and that's that's certainly a tough part for Manfred as well, that you've got to manage small market owners and large market owners when it comes to the CBT, because both are going to want to have different rules. The large market guys are going to be like, yeah, sure, raise it. You know, I don't care. The small market guys are going to be like, no, don't. So you have to somehow balance between the two and build a consensus among them. And, you know, I'm not saying his job is easy, um, but it's easier than he's making it out to be. Yeah. You know, like, like it it shouldn't be this difficult to bring your owners through this and, and to come to a deal like, like you've got to you've got to have the vision and the knowledge of what is best for the game. What is something that can get the players on board and sell it to your ownership groups? Because as much as they're your bosses, it is your job to look out for the best interest of the game and, and the best interest of everyone. So you've got to find a way to talk to them and convince them. And Manfred has not shown an ability to do that. No, you wonder if, and and this would go back to like the compromise part of all this, that 
CBT is the league continues to say that CBT bumping up to 230 is a non-starter. Like it is just not going to happen. You, you just wonder then, like if if the league was just like, all right, have your increased minimum salary. All right, have your extra pool of money for Super Two. Um, uh, I, I don't know why I wanted to see but free agent Super Two players. Um, like have all these other things, but we need to keep the CBT as close to what it's been as possible. If that would be something that the players would accept, but that just goes back to the fact that Rob Manfred has no intention on bending on anything. Like he could mm-hmm. he, there. I feel like there would be a good chance where if he was like, here, have all these other things. We just want one thing to stay how it's been that, it, that the players would still end up passing that up. But they, they're not even willing to do that. He wants to crush the union so bad that every single thing has to be exactly what MLB started off wanting and continues to want. And that's the sad part. Like compromise would result in, okay, you can have this, but we get this. And then you can have this, but we get the uh, expanded playoffs or whatever. And no, yeah. there's nowhere close to anything like that happening. Yeah. And they had like three or four non-starters. Um, that, that the yeah. players association was looking for and a, and a whole bunch of them just like, no, not, not, sorry, we're not doing that. Not even, not even expanded super two eligibility. Like you really right. aren't going to be willing to expand it another five or 10% of players. Like really? No. Like, nope. come on. Like, okay. I understand not wanting to go to like a hundred percent of two year players getting our arbitration. Like, okay. I understand that, but you're not going to be willing to go from 22 to 30% of players. You know, the, the players last ever, I think, was like 35, which was mm-hmm. way down from the previous ask of oh, like yeah. 75. Mm-hmm. So, like, they were they were coming down pretty hard mm-hmm. there. It's like, okay, you, like, you can't meet them at 35 or maybe like 30 or, hell, even 25, an extra 3% of players getting arbitration eligible. Like, come on. Um, yeah. it's Everything just, can't be a non-starter. That's not how it works. Like, that's yeah. not a negotiation. Yeah, I thought you were a labor lawyer. You should know this. Um, but yeah, and now this is just kind of coming out as, uh, as we were talking here on the pod, Buster Olney, mm-hmm. uh, reporting, hearing from sources on both sides of the CBA talks that they are hopeful that a renewed discussion of the 14 team playoff field could be a potential breakthrough for talks that need a breakthrough. Now, keep in mind, the players said when, uh, th- when opening day was missed, that if they don't get a deal done in time to save opening day, expanded playoffs are off the table. Like not even 12 teams, the, the whole thing, expanded playoffs off the table and negotiations if we miss opening day. And now the, the players and in, in, in the league are kind of coming back. Um, it's like, okay, maybe we can do 14-team playoffs, um, you know, do the expanded playoffs in exchange for increases on the CBT and other issues, because all the money we're making with the extra playoffs, we can give back to you in the pre-arbitration bonus pool um, and in the competitive balance tax. Um, I understand that that may help get a deal done, but man, I am really just opposed to a 14 team playoff. I, I think it's ridiculous. Yeah. I, I would rather keep it closer to what it used to be uh, personally. I, I don't know. I, I go both ways on it. Like basketball has 16 teams and it works just and fine. And it's too many. It, 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 it's too yeah, many. Some say that. But All those seven and eight seeds, they don't, 
they're not going to be any good. Like there's no reason for them to be there. They get swept in four games every single time. Yeah, most times. But then there's also been eight seeds that have stretched it out. I mean, the, I guess I shouldn't even say it's just 16 because technically they have the play in tournament now, too. So, I mean, really anyone down to the 10 seed has a chance uh-huh. of making it in. Um, but uh, so 14 teams. OK, I, I guess whatever. But that's the problem is just like you said, like they could use that. The fact that they're that the players are willing to um give 14 team playoff to say, okay, yes, now that we have that, that gives us a little bit more money. So yes, we're willing to um, give up a little bit elsewhere, but they don't even do that. And that's why the uh, players on that last day pulled it back off the table is because uh, when MLB said, no, we're actually not willing to come closer to you guys and everything. They said, fine, well, you only get 12, which is already a um, expansion, but Oh, it's frustrating. But, yeah. you know, it, it's but like nice now you're that, talking about teams getting buys and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. And it's like if you give a team like a full week off, that may not be any sort of actual advantage to them. Right. So, like, you know, a lot of those guys, like they're in a groove. They want to keep on going. And, you know, having all that extra time off may have your hitters get cold, your pitchers, you know, get sitting on the shelf for a while. Like, yeah. just ask that may the not Packers. be any sort of actual advantage. Just ask the Packers. Yeah. <laughs> you had to bring that up yeah on the on the on the day where i can't drink alcohol <laughs> that's true but i, I yeah. mean it is it, it's interesting that I, and i guess honestly good strategy maybe that the players are now starting to dangle that carrot like hey you know what we'll consider 14 teams again that's fine but now let's uh start parlaying that into some concessions on your side so I yeah. guess in that sense, it's not surprising that it's now come back up because the owners really want 14 team playoff. Yeah, well, I mean, they they pretty much already signed a deal with ESPN that, it, you know, involves a whole bunch of money for the league if they have a 14 team playoff. And it's like, wait a minute, how can you sign that deal with them before you even get it collectively bargained? Mm-hmm. You know, that seems kind of shady, um, but they did know. a lot of uh, stuff like I mean, they're negotiating uh with apple tv to start um broadcasting games there too 14-day playoff yeah. and it's like well how about we have I just, a season I just, first i just don't like having half the league get into the postseason you know I, I think that's too many it's like what's like you play 162 games to determine the best teams in baseball mm-hmm. and even then you get the wildest stuff happening in october you know like i, I think it should be the best teams there getting the chance Mm-hmm. Um, and that's the whole point of the 162 game regular season. So yeah, I'm just to, I'm just opposed to that. 12 teams, like okay, fine, but I think we're also going to be seeing an expansion in the next uh, couple of years as well. Once right. we get all these uh, stadium situations figured out. Well, but why would you want to expand when it's not actually profitable to own a team? I mean, who would want? Right? To own a yeah, team I mean, they've been it's they've been losing so much money over the past yeah. five years, according to Rob Manfred. Yeah, God, what a horrible lie. Yeah, we, we talked about this other <laughs> idiot shit that he was saying, but like when he throws out there, it's like baseball hasn't been a very profitable industry these last five years. Like over the last CBA, like, are you kidding me? You actually no, make more money. It's not the even stock close to true. Yeah, just like yeah. I know 2020. Yeah, 2020 sucked. That one wasn't very profitable. Oh, of sure. I'll give you that. And like 2021. OK, you're still recovering a little bit. You had, you know, limited capacity. But don't act like you weren't making a ridiculous amount of profit in 2017, 2018, 
Mm-hmm. All right. Like you guys totally were across the board. So no one wants to hear that shit. And if you want, like, if you want to prove that, if you want us to believe you, you have to open the books, but yep. they're not going to open the books. And that's the thing that, w- that we see with a lot of, um, like I see with a lot of people on Twitter, put in a salary cap, like, like just put in a salary cap, you know, cutting the spending, whatever else. I'm just like, the players will never go, will never go for that. No. Um, it, it's just, it's simply not going to happen that way. But like, if you look at the other leagues, you know, the NFL, NHL, NBA, they all have salary caps and it's, and it's revenue sharing. You know, it's, it's based on the amount of revenue, the amount of money that they make that determines what the salary cap is. So the salary cap can rise along with the revenues, which, you know, sounds like something the players would be interested in. Um, because I mean, they're, they're talking about the CBT going up because revenues are going up. So they want a bigger share of it. So if you have a collectively bargained revenue sharing, a salary cap thing, that means the the owners would have to open the books to the players. And is that something the owners would be willing to do if they want a salary cap? Because that's kind of a double edged sword for, for both sides. I mean, for the owners to want a salary cap, it would have to rise with the revenues. Um, so they wouldn't be able to just have a cap, set it, not show the players the revenues, and then just assume everything is fine. That's not how it's going to work. If you're going to get in, get in a salary cap, you have to open the books and it has to rise with the revenues, as we see in the NFL. When revenues go up, it's like, oh, the NFL's had great years recently. And we've seen the salary cap for the NFL skyrocket over the past several years. So if baseball is going to do that, they're going to need something similar. But the players don't seem interested in the salary cap at all, and the owners don't seem interested in opening the books. So it's not going to happen. No, no. So instead, um, baseball sort of. Instead, we get a lockout. Right. Yeah, we get a lockout. But baseball, also, the owners get to kind of have it both ways. Um, They get to keep the books closed and then have this low CBT that the players argue acts essentially as a salary cap um, which it although does. For, for some teams for some of the like richest of the richest teams they, they, they couldn't give two shits they're like we're gonna spend into the tax because we make that ungodly crazy amount of money anyway so they then get to have it both ways for a lot of teams yeah it does act as a salary cap and they keep to get to keep the books closed must be nice yeah yeah and that's where the players are, are really pissed and they want to see some movement somewhere um, you know, they, they want to see, it's like, oh, well, you guys are, are crying poor, open the books, but they have no legal reason to, um, it's like, but we know you're making big profits. So up the CBT and the owners don't want to do either. So it's, you know, the players are getting frustrated. It's like, give us at least mm-hmm. one then. Yeah. You know, if you're going to put in a salary cap, you got to open the books and, you know, like agree to like a 50, 50 split or whatever. And, you know, set it that way. So but then if you have a salary cap, you're probably also going to have a salary floor, um, as we see in some other leagues. Because I think the NFL, you have to spend like 90% of your cap, I think. It's, I, yeah, like I'm not that. as familiar with that. Or maybe the NBA, I don't know. Someone, some of the leagues have you spend like 89 or like 90% of the, of the cap. So, you know, then, then you have to institute some sort of a salary floor. You can't have a cap at like $200 million and then, you know, teams spending 50. Uh, that's just ridiculous. Yeah. Yep. Uh, so unfortunately, that is what it is. Um, and, and we know why, obviously, the um, players don't want a salary cap by not having salary cap that allows, you know, 
the best of the best players to make, you know, bigger and bigger contracts, um, you know, free market, baby. Right. Um, so it, it, it's understandable why um, the players don't want that. They want to be able to make as much money as possible and be able to make what they're worth. And so I guess when when, when you go to the one part where the um, players are con- not the one part, but uh, the big part where the players are concerned about money. Um, yeah, I mean, it, you, players deserve to be paid what they're worth. Um, I don't know. I, I'm running. I, I'm really running out of gas on on things to say about all this. Like we we keep repeating yeah. all the same things, and it's we just want baseball, man. I know. I I I am looking forward to. I will say, I'm very much looking forward to minor league baseball uh, coming back. That was kind of one of the things about really. I guess when regular season MLB baseball is on, it becomes harder to actually just watch minor league games because they get played at the same time. So like, I don't feel like I get to watch as many games as possible. So I am looking forward to that a little bit, but that doesn't mean I don't want regular baseball back. I would, if I had my preference, I'd be watching the Brewers, especially when I keep seeing all these updates from McAlvey and Salmon and everyone out of minor league camp and they're Mm -hmm. wearing Brewers jerseys and, Oh, it's just such a tease. Yeah, and you're and you're watching bullpens and seeing mit and hearing mitt pops and uh, seeing yeah. bullpens and it's just uh hey so uh, the Wisconsin Timber Rattlers open up uh, April eighth through the tenth against Peoria. You want to head to those games? Me and April you head up head up to that's, Appleton. That sounds that's Friday Saturday no, Sunday. That is that is my wife's birthday weekend, so unfortunately not that weekend. Ah, unless she wants yeah, to go, a bit. we'll see. But yeah, that would be a good birthday present, baseball. Right. That's true. But, um, She's not as big a baseball fan as us, though. Ooh. Right. Fair. Okay, some people. But I'm thinking of making a trip up there um, because I need I need my baseball fix, Matt. Yeah. I need it. Yeah. There will be some uh, uh, Timber Rattlers trips happening. That's for dang sure. Yeah, absolutely. And I feel I may need to start that opening weekend because can't wait, man. Can't wait. Yeah. Plus, uh, plus uh, next weekend, um, got an announcement to make. Are, are you sure you're all you're all set? You're going to be yep. good for this We're announcement? Good to go. Yep, this is happening. We're good to go? Okay, so Let's do it. we have an announcement to make here on the Cold Brew Podcast. Uh, we have been in contact with uh, the guys at the Nashville Sounds, and they have invited us down very generously for a weekend – of Nashville Sounds baseball. Yeah. Um, so for uh, in the month of April here, the uh, 22nd through the 24th, your boys, David and Matt here, will be down in Nashville watching the Sounds play some baseball. We're going to be watching the top Brewers prospects. We're going to be seeing Bryce Terang. Probably going to be seeing Ethan Small. Uh, we're going to be seeing all these top guys taking in the Sounds games. Um, you know, we're getting credentials. We're going to have the whole nine yards. We're going to do a podcast down there. We're talking to players. Matt might finally be able to meet Luke Barker. It's going to be a great time. And, uh, we are really excited, uh, to, to have received the invitation to head down there. We're really excited to head down to, to Nashville this April and take in some, uh, some Nashville sounds baseball. Yeah. It's a, I mean, beautiful park, um, beautiful city. I have not been to Nashville before, so I'm just looking forward to that on top of everything. Um, but it was really cool to kind of have them reach out, um, and want to, their, their whole goal with all of this was to try and like really start connecting with the fan base. Um, now that they're kind of mm-hmm. back in the, 
um, Brewers organization. And so just a, a really cool gesture. And yeah, really looking forward to that. May, who knows? Maybe by then regular baseball will be happening and our 40 man guys get to start joining, such as Mario Feliciano would love to yes. meet him, too. Um, oh, yeah. Yeah. There, there, there's some some names to be excited for on the uh, Brewers prospect roster uh, that should be there. And so, yeah, it, it should be a great time. And and big thanks to uh, to the sounds for even thinking to reach out. Yeah, we are. Uh... Very, very happy to to see that they reached out, and uh, even more happy to to accept their offer and uh, and come down and visit and uh, spend some time with them. Spend some time with a friend of the podcast, Jeff Hem. Um, mm-hmm. You know, play by play boys down there for the sounds. Uh, so really excited to to meet him and all those guys down there, and uh, just have a good time. You know, watching some baseball and uh, uh, seeing the guys and uh, spending time in Nashville. It's a great city. I've been there a couple times before. Uh, really enjoyed it. Last time I went, the sounds were on the road, so mm. was not able to catch a game, which was uh, very sad for me. But yeah, it is a uh, it is fantastic, and we are excited to be going. Uh, it's gonna be yeah. it's gonna be a lot of fun. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, so uh, that's gonna be a good time. So that's kind of our, our big announcement there that we wanted to to share with you guys, and uh, we certainly recommend anyone else. You know, if you're looking for some baseball and you got some. Uh, time and ability to take a trip that uh check out the nashville sounds because that's that's where your top level brewers are going to be that that is triple a that is you know until we get to see corbin burns and christian yelich back out on the field um that's that's your top guys that that's where we're going to have to look so um very excited to be to be going to that it's going to be it's going to be a lot of fun all right let's enough of the lockout for right now let's finish this episode (laughs) i'm talking Talking some other stuff here. And I want to talk about this trade proposal that I saw this past week or last week that we didn't get a chance to talk about um, in our most previous episode because we had Brewers prospect Gabe Holt uh, on the podcast last week, which is a very fun interview. And if you haven't heard it yet, definitely go check that out. Um, so I want to talk about this trade proposal that I saw. It was from Bleacher Report uh, initially. Uh, Zach Reimer, the writer there, uh, put out, you know, eight, you know, a whole bunch of like win-win trade proposals for both sides and, um, you know, trying to put together some good deals. And he put together one for the Brewers involving Josh Hader and the Boston Red Sox. Um, And keep in mind, the Brewers did make that trade um, with the Red Sox before the lockout involving Jackie Bradley Jr. and Hunter Renfro um, and two of our uh, favorite fun prospects, Alex Benellis and David Hamilton. Uh, that was unfortunate to see them go, but in order to upgrade right field, uh, I'll definitely, definitely take it. So here's the hypothetical trade proposal from Zach Reimer at Bleacher Report. The Red Sox receive Josh Hader, and in return, the Brewers get first baseman Bobby Dahlbeck, second base prospect Nick York, who was, a, who was Boston's uh, first round selection in 2020, and minor league right-handed pitcher Brian Mata. So, Matt, when you first saw this proposal, what were your thoughts uh, on this potential trade? Um, so, my, I, I guess my first thing goes right there to Bobby Dahlbeck. He's the, he would be the prize of that trade. Um, he was the Red Sox uh, number three prospect uh, exiting the 2020 season. Um, he grades out as at some really nice raw power, um, something that would be great to see there. 
um, in Miller Park um, at first base. Now, um, kind of like you mentioned, um, his defense doesn't necessarily grade, you know, super high. Um, so could he maybe see some time at designated hitter instead? Um, but first thoughts where it fills a need. So that's a good starting point for um, anything that involves a trade with Josh Hader, because as we've said many, many times in the past, they are not going, Stearns is not going to give up Josh Hader unless it is an, a trade that works out amazingly um, for the Brewers. So mm-hmm. um, there's your first start. Um, Nick York at second base, uh, not as familiar with him uh, personally myself, um, but he did have those good numbers. And you are at some point going to need um, replacements over there at second. It's Wong's contract is short. Um, does Rios move over there? Does Terang move over there? Like what ends up happening at second base in the future? So it wouldn't hurt to kind of start coming up with some plans. So um, I don't think that's a terrible idea to be um, kind of throwing in there as well. Um, and then kind of same thing with uh, Mata. I know um, he was out. Um, I don't, I, I'm not as familiar with how highly regarded he is, um, but I, I do wonder a little bit um, kind of, kind of like you said, could they look elsewhere for um, pitcher return, especially when you're giving up something um, to the level of Josh Hader. Um, but it, it certainly seems like a good, it seems like a good start for a trade. Um, I have to imagine there'd be some tinkering there on Stearns's end. Um, but I, I think highly of Dahlbeck and his um, future prospects in the MLB um, so I think that's where, like, maybe I, I, I start going like, okay, all right, I'm listening a little bit. Yeah. Yeah. When I first looked at it, I thought this trade wasn't actually that bad. Um, but then I looked into Dahlbeck's numbers and I mean, he's about a, a 0.5 ish war player, um, mm-hmm. baseball reference. I mean, he's got, um, you know, he hit 25 homers last year, you know, great, but he also hit 240 had a sub 300 on base percentage, struck out about 35% of the time, um, had really had even worse strikeout numbers in 2020. Um, so that's really kind of concerning to me, you know, the, the strikeouts, the the low on base percentage, low batting average, um, plus the the poor defense. I mean, poor defense hasn't stopped the Brewers before. I mean, right. Daniel Vogelbeck had poor defense. Rowdy Tellez had poor defense. Keston Hira had poor defense, and they threw them all over at first base. And it Defensively, they turned out fine. Offensively, well, you know, results may vary. Um, but Dahlbeck is being pushed as a trade candidate because Boston has the best first base prospect in baseball mm-hmm. ready to go in Tristan Cassis. Um, and if it were me, I'd be pushing more for Cassis instead of Dahlbeck. Cassis is a much better hitter. Um, and if you're going to trade Josh Hader, it's going to cost you something. Like mm-hmm. if you're going to to give up Josh Hader, you got to get something pretty big in return. And Cassis would be that guy. I, mean, I don't know if the Brewers would plug him in right away at first base, but they could pr- plug him in pretty quickly um, to to start the season. You know, if not opening day, shortly thereafter. Um, and he could be a, a dude over at first base for for several years to come. Um, he had 279 last year with a nearly 400 on base percentage. Uh, and a much lower strikeout rate. Um, so Cassis will be a guy that I'd be asking for instead of Dahlbeck. Um, so if you swap those two guys out, then I'm really interested. But if you're getting Cassis, 
I don't know if you're going to be able to get York. I would love to get York. Right. I, I think York would be uh, a great fit as well for the reasons you talked about, you know, at second base there and kind of lining up your infield of the future, put up fantastic numbers this year after everyone thought he was a reach as a first round pick in 2020. Uh, but he had 325 last year, over 400 on base percentage, 20 doubles, five triples, 14 homers, 13 stolen bases, a uh, really well-rounded hitter, uh, well-rounded offensive player. So, I mean, he could, he's probably better than any of the other middle infield prospects the Brewers have offensively. You know, I mean, Bryce Trang is really good, you know, really good defender, puts up some good numbers. Um, York has, has a bit more power in him, I believe. But I mean, yeah, like Felix Valerio, um, you know, friend of the podcast, Gabe Holt. Um, but, you know, if York can provide those same kinds of things, plus power and extra base hit ability, um, that's just another great thing to, to see, to add to the lineup. Um, so, I mean, York would be great to add, but if you're swapping Dahlbeck with Cassis, uh, with, which I'm suggesting, you're probably not going to get York as well, even though I'm sure that would get a deal done for David Stearns. Yeah. Um, but yeah, yeah, go, go ahead. Yeah, no, you're probably not getting, uh, two first rounders out of the Red Sox, right? No, <laughs> if, uh, probably if Cassis, not. Maybe yeah, if this was a year or two ago when Josh Hader had like three or four years of control left. Right. Yeah, that's also a very good point. Um, but with Dahlbeck, I mean, consider the fact, too, that, you know, he's only played 156 games. So essentially a season's worth of um, a full season's worth of uh, Major League Baseball. So to be at a point eight in his career for war through a first full season, if you want to call it that, you know, could be worse, um, I suppose. Mm-hmm. I, I think, you know, not every rookie necessarily just starts lighting it on fire. Um, when they first come to the majors. And so, you know, he could be that guy. I don't know. I I still, like I said, I still uh, think a little highly of him. And so I think he, you know, ends up um, being okay. And, you know, to, to your point, if uh, him being part of the trade gets you York, you know, maybe that's a good side effect of uh, Dahlbeck being part of that trade. So, um, yeah. I don't know. It's a, I, I, like I said, I, I do think it was kind of an interesting starting point um, for a trade and also kind of funny that uh, we're going right back uh, to negotiate with the Red Sox in this hypothetical scenario. <laughs> like, hey, you know what? We've uh, we've worked well together in the past. Let's get another deal done. Yeah. I mean, you look yeah, back all, again. all the way. Yeah, you look back all the way to Travis Shaw. Um, obviously the <laughs> Brewers and the Red Sox have a working relationship. And at the beginning of that trade, Travis Shaw worked out really damn well for the Brewers. Yeah. Although Heim Bloom was not uh, leading Boston at that time, but, True. um, still, yeah. Um, but I think the big thing also for the Brewers when it comes to, uh, a Josh Hader trade is getting at least someone that is big league ready or, or able to help out the big leagues right away. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's where a guy like Dahlbeck or even Cassis comes in because Cassis will be able to help out pretty much right away, even though he's not established as a big league player quite yet. Um, I, I think he'd make for uh, an excellent fit. Now, when it came, comes to the, the pitcher that was included, um, Brian Mata, I mean, he missed all of last year with Tommy John surgery. Um, so I just don't see him being the guy, being the pitcher to come back in a hater trade. You know, they, they have another pretty good pitching prospect in Brian Bellow who had a solid uh, performance last year or I was thinking maybe you could you know go a bit lower on the pitching prospect and add another prospect 
to the to the packages as well. Maybe someone like Brandon Walter, uh, is a guy who I suggested in the article. You know, lefty put up good numbers. You know, a bit further away down in A ball, but still maybe you could ask for someone else. And me being the uh, nostalgic Brewers prospect fan that I am, I'm like, hey, maybe you can get them to throw us back Alex Benellis or David Hamilton <laughs> and, and try to get those guys back in a deal. You know, certainly wouldn't complain about that, uh, especially Benellis, because, you know, third base, uh, third baseman of the future, that role could pretty much be open. David Hamilton, he's kind of down the line at shortstop, even though I love his speed. Um, but, you know, I think there's ways to make it work, but we're going to need to tinker with this trade package a little, little bit. Yeah, yeah, no, I agree. It's it, it's not quite the perfect result, um, but it's it's kind of headed in that direction. Um, and I would just love if we could actually, you know, see some trades and free agent moves actually happening in real life. But yeah, um, instead we get to hypothetically wonder about these sorts of things. Yeah. So. But it's fun. It's, it's fun to talk trade proposals and um, hopefully we can get something soon. I don't know if we'll see a Josh Hader trade um, when it comes to, you know, this spring training, because I mean, now it's getting really close to, you know, the season uh, beginning, whenever spring training does start up. Um, we could see something happen. We could not. Um, but, you know, if, it, if not now, it's going to have to be next offseason when there's only one year left. And then mm-hmm. if you trade them, you're not getting anywhere near as much as you would get if you trade them now. So that's going to be that's going to be tough. But, you know, we'll see if David Stearns can uh, pull some magic and uh, make something happen and, and see what he can get back in return, if anything. Yeah. Yeah, it'll be real interesting because uh, – Stearns, if if he has been fielding offers for Hater, has obviously been very you know deliberate in taking his time to think about um, exactly what he's getting back, and then deciding you know obviously not to pull the trigger on anything because nothing has lived up to his standards of what he believes they should be getting back uh, uh, for him. So I cannot imagine he would rush through a trade proposal that's given to him for Josh Trader. Uh, Josh Hader to try and get it through before that was weird uh, to try and get it through before the start of the season. I mean, that's just, that's not how he operates now. It, it could be that in all this time, you know, the GMs for other teams have been just really just taking this time to think of the perfect thing to send the brewers uh, for Josh Hader. And it does end up being a can't miss offer, but just considering, you know, Again, like I said, the fact that Hader has not moved yet in seasons where it would be prime position to make that move. Um, it's just I would be very surprised if something transpired that quickly between um, in a, a lock, a, a CBA agreement and the start of a regular season. It would just be it, I, w- I would be surprised. Yeah, especially with the Brewers still needing to add relievers to fill out that bullpen for the season, mm-hmm. uh, trading away your best one, especially with your. Uh, you know, closer and waiting, Devin Williams coming off a broken hand that he suffered last year. Um, that makes it much more difficult to uh, to make that move. So we'll see what happens. Plenty of moves that uh, David Stearns uh, can make, but he has to wait until we have a new CBA. So hopefully, fingers crossed again, that by the time we record our next episode, uh, we can have a new CBA to talk about and, and things can get going. But uh, I'm I'm crossing my fingers, but I'm not holding my breath uh, because I would probably die uh, <laughs> if 
But I actually was holding my breath waiting for that because um, it's it's going to be a while. Yeah. Um, but I think that'll uh, that'll do it for this week's episode of the Cold Brew Podcast. A lot of ranting about Manfred and the lockout, and um, you know we kind of. We didn't quite go off on the on the cursing um, aspect <laughs> that I thought we were going to be going to, so I'm, I'm no. proud of us there. Yeah, I I told you uh, before we recorded, I thought we would have to find a way to be able to mark it double explicit or something like that. Yeah. But uh, but but we know, did it a good couple days afterwards. If, if we recorded this Tuesday night, oh, oh it'd be a lot different. Yep, that would have been brutal. Yeah, yeah, you would have had to. Hide the kids, make sure they weren't listening to the podcast, put your <laughs> headphones in. Um, Dog would have been hiding under the bed. Yeah. Oh, also, by the way, you know, I, sh- you know, I posted this on Twitter earlier, but uh, we are also now on iHeartRadio podcast. Yes. Um, so if you go to, uh, if you have the iHeartRadio app or, you know, that's the platform you listen to, iHeartRadio.com, uh, search on podcast, search the Cold Brew podcast. We are there. Um, so if that's your preferred listening platform, uh, you can find us there as well. Just more ways for us to reach uh, our listeners, our, our smart and good-looking and uh, excellent listeners uh, of the Cold Brew Podcast who have excellent taste. Um, That's true. And, yeah, just, just another way for you guys to reach us and, and to, to listen to um, what we're doing. So be sure to follow us on there. Um, we're also, you know, we're still, again, on, on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, uh, Anchor, uh, everywhere else that that you can listen to podcasts, we're still there. So, um, just just letting you know, just putting that out there. Another place uh, to get your favorites, uh, David and Matt Cold Brew podcast uh, content. So, we're excited to continue to bring it to you. You know, as we still wait for this lockout to end, and hopefully have a season to talk about fairly soon. Yeah, and um, also if you haven't left a review, if you haven't left a comment. Pu- before we would love if you guys would do that um, we'd love to kind of take the pulse and just know how we're doing um if it's five star review that's fantastic if it's not hey that's how you feel that's okay too um but you know if we get some particularly good comments maybe we'll even um read them out loud uh on the podcast i would love to kind of um share in that but um really it's more like we just want to know if um what we're doing is working for you guys so let us know yeah, if you got some topics you want us to talk about or uh, questions, you know, reach out to us either at the uh, podcast Twitter account at Cobra under, underscore pod, or you can reach out to either of us uh, on Twitter. I am at dgasper24. Matt is at mkematt13. Um, so you can reach out to either of us there. Um, and also, of course, be sure to follow Reviewing the Brew. Um, and you can find all of our articles there and uh, – Get the latest updates on everything uh, Milwaukee Brewers um, that that there is. So plenty of ways to reach us, plenty of ways to find us and uh, find our content. So uh, hopefully you enjoy it, and uh, we're excited to continue to bring it to you. So that'll do it for this week's episode of the Cold Brew Podcast. Thank you again for listening, and we'll see you next time, hopefully, with baseball returning. Uh, We'll see you for another episode of the Cold Brew Podcast.